The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. And uh, I'll say just a few things about myself since people are still coming in, and that's the least important part of the whole course. So uh, I delight in teaching this intro course. I've been doing it for many years. It's one of my favorite things to do. And, um, and I often say very much the same thing from course to course, but I'm always waiting to surprise myself, say something new. <laughs> and uh, so we'll see how I do. And uh, uh, I've been involved in doing meditation since I was about 19 or 20 and have been uh, most of that time doing Buddhist meditation. First I did Zen meditation for many years and was ordained as a Zen monk and spent time in monasteries in this country and in Japan. And then I went, uh, spent time in Southeast Asia, in Thailand and Burma, uh, where I also practiced in monasteries. And that's where I learned uh, the practice that we do here called uh, insight meditation and uh, relying on mindfulness. And... um, and I found this very, very uh, powerful and very meaningful to do. And then I was very fortunate when I came back to this country to have the opportunity to uh, start being a teacher, to be trained to teach and to teach this practice. And I started teaching at uh, the same time that I came to a graduate school at, um, at Stanford. Just, of all things to study, uh, uh, Buddhist studies. And so that's been kind of my whole adult life is involved with Buddhism one way or the other. And when I came to Stanford in 1990, uh, I was asked to lead a small sitting group in Palo Alto. And there were about 12, 15 people who came on a Monday night. And then slowly over the years, that group grew and grew and grew. And then we had a second uh, meeting a week and a third meeting a week. And eventually we had so much going on that uh, we bought this place here. And uh, we've been here since uh, 2000, I think we started here in 2002. And that's been a great to be here and a very happy part of my life and I think for many people's lives. So welcome to IMC. And uh, one of the things you should know about us is that uh, everything that we do here is offered freely. It's kind of part of the, the you know, kind of feeling about this, the inner life that's being developed through mindfulness and insight meditation and Buddhism. It's an inner life of generosity and inner life of freedom and that comes uh, in the form of just kind of offering things with an open heart, with an open hand, open mind, hopefully. Uh, and people can have, you know, uh, welcome to have it. And, um, uh, and we seldom, uh, you know, ask for donations here or anything like that. But we do have a system by which people, if they want to make a donation to support either the teachers here or the, peop- or the, the center. Um, and that's, uh, there's a box by the door and uh, there's two slots, and one is for whoever is a teacher for any given event, so in this event would be me, and the other slot is for the operations, and it's for the running of the place and our expenses and things. And, um, and that's for you to do as you see fit, as you're inspired. Um, uh, that's how the whole system here works. And uh, so what we'll do for these five weeks is I'll introduce you to the basic elements of mindfulness meditation as we teach it here. And there's many ways of doing mindfulness meditation, so this is not the right way, it's just one way. And, um, and it's uh, one that many people find effective and meaningful. And, uh, and we'll do it uh, kind of sequentially. Uh, when I went to Burma to meditate, 
uh, they gave us, uh, when we showed up at the monastery, they gave us a cassette tape. And uh, that cassette tape was about 30 minutes long, I think, 20, 30 minutes long. And all the instructions we were supposed to have for being on, in, on re- meditation retreats and how to do this practice was in those 20, 30 minutes. So I could do that here, <laughs> you know, lay it out for you. But we've, uh, we've found over the years it works much better and more interesting and more richer for people if we take our time with some of the important aspects of it and lay it out sequentially and kind of build on the weeks. So the first week today, I'll talk about the most basic aspects of meditation practice and talk about um, uh, posture for meditation and also for uh, using breath. The next week we'll talk about um, uh, the body. It's a little bit unfortunate that uh, here in the West we translated uh, this word for, uh, the, uh, as mindfulness uh, because uh, such an important part of this mindfulness is bodyfulness, is being embodied with uh, embodied awareness, an awareness that comes from the inside out as opposed to an awareness which is in the control tower where we think about things and like that. And then the third week we'll talk about emotions, mindfulness of emotions. This is a very important part of people's lives. And it turns out it's a lot easier to be wisely present and working with our emotional life if we know how to be in our body, if we're somehow embodied and connected to our body. And then uh, the fourth week we'll do mindfulness of thinking. And that's often uh, a challenge for people, their thinking mind. It takes them off into faraway places and times and uh, be able to come back into the present moment in such a way that the present moment becomes a place of uh, some contact with a deep peace, wisdom, insight, compassion, variety of things. And so we'll talk about mindfulness of thinking, how to fold it in as part of the meditation rather than just treating it as a distraction. And it turns out that it's a lot easier to work with our cognitive life, our thoughts and thinking, if we know how to be mindful of the emotions. And it's easier to be mindful of emotions if you know how to be with your body. And if it's easier to be with your body if you know how to be mindful of your breathing. So we'll kind of do it uh, sequentially. And then um, the, um, and so you have the opportunity to kind of practice with what's taught each week. And if you're able to go home and practice with it in various ways and kind of make it a little bit your own, then you'll have a foundation for the teachings, better foundations for the teaching next week. And uh, to help you with that, every week there's a handout, and the handout kind of reviews the basic instructions and also offers some tips about how to practice, uh, especially in practicing in daily life. Because what I'm interested in teaching here is not just meditation practice, but also how to bring mindfulness into the rest of our lives. And that's part of the great delight and benefit of mindfulness is when we learn how to bring mindfulness into all our activities and everything we do. There's a tremendous uh, wisdom that can come from that. And from a Buddhist point of view, a lot of freedom that can come from that. Because if you can slow down enough and be mindful enough, uh, you start be- at some point you start seeing uh, all the different places through the day where you have choice. And if you, can see- if you don't see you have choice, you have no choice. But if you see that you have choice, then you can make wiser choices. And that's a lot of, lot of the benefits of mindfulness is you can live a much wiser life because you see, I, I can choose what I say right now. I don't think that that's a wise thing to say. And, uh, or I can choose you know, what I'm going to eat. Now, that's not the right thing to eat right now. I should choose something else or whatever it might be. There's a lot more freedom 
uh, when there's a, uh, when we kind of are resting in a strong mindful place. So you're welcome to um, you know practice at home. Um, I like this course to be as easy for you to participate as possible. So a couple of things I can say. One is that uh, don't worry if you don't practice at home. <laughs> uh, people have difficult lives and challenging lives and whatever reason it m- might be. I hope that uh, just coming and hearing these talks will be beneficial. I think you'll hear, some of you will hear ideas about how to be with, be with yourself, to be uh, aware of your emotions and your thoughts and different parts of your life that are new to you. And some of these ideas that are new, just, just valuable to have those ideas. And uh, even if you never meditate again. So I hope that it's, uh, you, know, you feel welcomed and included here in whatever way is your participation. So, um, so a couple of things about uh, this meditation practice. Uh, a huge benefit from meditation uh, from people who live busy, stressful lives is just stopping to pause and to breathe. Just take it easy and not really try to do too much. Um, a lot of the stress that we build up in our lives has a lot to do with the spinning of our mind, spinning of thoughts and concerns and reactivity we have. And so uh, if we just kind of pause sometimes, we get just that, can let things uh, chill out, can kind of relax the muscles, our spinning head can quiet down. And then we're actually much more receptive for starting the meditation practice, or much more receptive or much more wiser about how to uh, engage in any activity we do at all. So I thought that with that in mind, before I teach you anything, what happens if we just close our eyes, just the way you are, and just kind of close your eyes and just don't try to do much. It helps if you're not judging that this is silly, that just sit here quietly and do nothing. And... uh, Allow, if you can, your mind to maybe become quieter. Maybe imagine your thoughts are thought bubbles that just drift away. And if you can be aware of your body without any judgments, just aware in an open, global way. Sometimes the awareness makes space for the body to begin to relax. And then if you were going to start being mindful now, a very simple way to do it is to know, to be aware, recognize what's going on for you that is most predominant. What's the clearest thing that you're aware of right now? And then whatever it is that's the clearest thing that you're aware of, can you experiment to know that, to be aware of it, without any negative judgments. Just let it be there. Just take a few moments to recognize it for what it is. 
So that simple exercise of sitting down, relaxing a little bit, and then just recognizing what's actually here for you is beginning of mindfulness. So you can open your eyes. So what was that like to do that little thing? Was that difficult? Was it a challenge? Was it just a little nice to take a pause like that? And so I'd, like to, I'd like to hear from a couple of you, what was that like? Just such a simple thing. And I'd love to hear so just some voices and feel like we're doing this together a little bit. So that's partly why I want to do this. So it's not just me th- talking. Um, it was just very peaceful for me. Yeah, it's oh. just very calming and very peaceful. Oh, great. That's nice. That's one option. And there's lots of options here. So. <laughs> I, I was aware that uh, I had tightness in my neck, uh-huh. and um, then I started relaxing. And so you you were not sur- relaxed. Uh, it's not there anymore. So. so you were surprised to discover you were tight in your neck. Yeah. And then those few moments we sat there like this, it relaxed. Exactly. Uh-huh. So that's one of the things that can happen with mindfulness. If you stop to pay attention, people sometimes are surprised. And what's here? Sometimes tensions build up, concerns, even emotions sometimes can go unnoticed because we haven't stopped to pay attention to it. Maybe a couple of more. Love to hear. It was calming for me. Calming for you. Great. Yes. Anybody found it difficult to do that? Yes. You want you do well, I, I found that I would like to be calm, but I found that my thoughts just kept circling. So yes, it's not really difficult actually. So you, you'd like to be like to be you'd like to be calm, but your mind your thoughts were circulating circulating and somewhat agitated. Uh-huh. So, f- from the point of view of this practice, uh, that's a great beginning. And uh, it's better to know that your thoughts are circling around and agitated and spinning, than to have them spin and not know it. Because if you know it, that's the beginning of having a new relationship to it and maybe finding another way. So. Uh, the usual thing to do in a situation like that is to congratulate you because, <laughs> because that's the first step of doing mindfulness meditation is to recognize that. So, though it can be frustrating a little bit if you kind of, it can be frustrating that kind of experience. I was trying to, you know, not say anything but now I'll come up with it. So. Now what? It's like I felt very disconnected. Looks like a very foreign idea that we I have I have the liberty to to feel myself. Uh, so, so if I understood you, the idea of doing mindfulness seemed like a foreign idea, but doing what we did here was simpler and yeah, looked felt very foreign to to, to go into your own body and see how mm, you feel. That's a foreign idea. Yes, for some people, it's going to a whole new land. <laughs> It's a whole new world, but it's a great one. What some uh, uh, Buddhist teachers will say is that partly what meditation does is you go inward and then you turn yourself inside out and come back out into the world. But, you know, you're not so protected, so tense, so closed. And all that, you know, if you're inside out, then you're much more sensitive to the world and hopefully in a way that's wise and useful. Okay. So, um, mindfulness. The, 
uh, mindfulness is not a esoteric, you know, strange practice. Uh, it's using uh, a capacity of the mind that we're using all day long. It's, uh, we have a variety of capacities for paying attention, for being attentive, to notice what's going on. And we're doing that all the time. But sometimes, um, oftentimes, a lot of it's done s- subconsciously, unconsciously. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, you know, in the background, if you're, you know, walking down the street, you're not actively looking at the cracks in the sidewalk or where the bumps are or the anything, but you're, you're paying attention and you might be talking to your friend at the same time. The use of attention is happening in all our waking hours. And, uh, and what we're doing with mindfulness is take this very ordinary capacity we have and uh, strengthening it or bringing more focus on it so that we can know more clearly what is happening here and now. And that's one of the primary doorways into this inner life of mindfulness is um, to understand the value of what's happening in the present moment in our direct experience as opposed to what's in our thoughts, what we're thinking about. Now, most obviously, we can think about the future or think about the past or think about things which are not here right now. We can go into fantasy uh, or we can go into abstract kind of thinking like judging and making commentary about what's happening now. And all those things create a kind of distance from our immediate experience. And mindfulness practice is to somehow come into or clarify or get in touch with our capacity for paying attention, for being aware in such a way that uh, we no longer have the obscuration or the clouds or the distance between us and our experience. So, for example, um, if I'm sitting here with all of you, and I can see you all, it's nice to be here with you, but then I start thinking about, um, uh, you know, when I get home today, I bet I can find, like, the best movie to watch. And I wonder what that movie could be. And, you know, and last week I watched this great movie, and these characters were doing this thing, and I couldn't believe what they were doing. I'd never seen anybody done something like that. And my mind spins out into the story, and I, I, you kind of start drifting off and you become vaguer and vaguer here and you probably see my eyes are kind of getting glazed over and uh, you know, you pro- some of you come over like this and kind of put your hands in front of my eyes and say, Gil, <laughs> and I don't even notice because I'm so absorbed in my whole little story that I'm caught up in. Maybe you've met someone who you've talked to where it's like, are you really there? You're talking and like, hey. <laughs> and, um, and so the more we get pulled into this world of thoughts and ideas... Uh, it's easy then to kind of lose touch with what's around us. And, uh, and so, um, and if we, and so some people feel that if you pay attention to it, uh, when you notice it's happening, you can actually feel the distance, or some people see it as distance, uh, not really connected. Some people see it as uh, clouds or darkness or, or obscurations that come over the eyes, and we're not really present for what's there. Mindfulness is trying to learn to have to overcome that distancing, overcome that obscurations for what's going on, to really see what's here. And maybe it's nice to cons- think of it a little bit like if you can, some of you can remember those days when we had radios and you would tune it to a channel, that uh, you're kind of tuning in, taking your awareness and kind of tuning it in, dialing it in so that uh, you, it becomes clear 
and more present for what actually is and less caught up in the world of our thinking, the world of our commentary, the world of our judgments and reactions to things, but starting to kind of come into a simpler and simpler and simpler experience of, uh, of what's actually happening here and now. Simple doesn't mean simplistic. Simple doesn't mean that it's, you know, that there's better and more wonderful things to be doing. Uh, simple is actually the doorway into becoming more peaceful, more calm. It's a doorway to see much more clearly what's going on inside of us and what's going on outside of us. And for in, in traditionally Buddhism, that tuning into our direct experience of what's happening now gives us access to some of the deepest spiritual aspects of our hearts and our minds and some of the greatest places of compassion around the world around us. It can sound very simple, this practice. Just be clarify and tune in to the present moment directly in the simplicity of the moment. Try not to have a lot of uh, busy thoughts that cloud over how you, see st- how, you s- how you see or hear things. That can seem like you're coming into a very simple world. And it, in some ways you are, but it's this world that kind of allows you to turn inside out. It's a world that allows uh, uh, the depths of what's inside of us to finally come up to the surface. That it can't do if we're kind of bottling everything up, uh, spinning in our thoughts, caught up in our preoccupations, uh, preoccupied with our regrets and our angers and our ambitions. That, that those actually kind of limit our lives, limit our inner growth, um, even though they have a lot of authority and very compelling. So it's helpful to think of this practice, if you want to do it, as something that's very simple that leads to something very profound. And the reason I say simple is that uh, so that you uh, um, allow yourself to be how you are as you do this. Don't be too much involved with ideas of right and wrong and I'm not doing it right. There's a way of understanding this practice is you can't do it wrong. And anyway, right and wrong kind of doesn't make any sense as you tune into the simplicity of the moment and how it is. And so if you find that it's hard to be present because the mind is spinning off and, you know, and your body hurts and you're restless and whatever, uh, there's no need to see that as being wrong or that you're not doing the practice right. It's actually uh, uh, probably the practice is working for you to notice those things and to be very simple and relaxed about it. The simpler you can be about what's happening, the more it's easier to develop our capacity for attention, which is what we're doing here. Does that make some sense? Yes. Okay. So, uh, but it's, it, can be, it can be hard because of the spinning mind, the preoccupations and everything. So uh, uh, classically, we start the practice with something very simple. Uh, we start do something very simple that supports the cultivating the simplest, simple attention. And so one of, the, one of the places that is very classical is to begin with the breathing. Breathing has the be- benefit of being a rhythmic movement. And it's actually easier to settle in and get concentrated and calm if you're paying attention to some, some activity, some movement in the body that has a kind of rhythmic uh, flow to it. The rising and falling of the chest or the abdomen, the air going in and out through the nostrils, the kind of a rhythm of breathing in and out. And, um, and you can start kind of tuning in and kind of surfing on those experiences, hang in there and stay present much easier for the rhythm of something 
that if I just tell you to, you know, focus on the tip of your nose and just hold your attention fixed in that one spot, um, uh, there's something comforting even sometimes with breathing. The, um, I had a friend who uh, lived in a Zen monastery for many years, and um, he was doing some repair on the roof, and he fell off the roof and broke his arm. So they called the you know 911, and I think the fire department came first, and they were going to take him to the hospital. And so he was laying there in pain a little bit, and the, and uh, you know he'd been doing breath meditation for I don't know 15 years, and the uh, uh, the firefighters came over and looked at him and said said to him, breathe deeply. <laughs> And he looked at me, kind of rolled his eyes. <laughs> That's what he was doing. He was breathing. He, he was actually pretty calm. So, um, so we start with breathing. And, um, and to make, again, this really simple as a kind of way of building and all this, without changing your posture much, uh, just kind of close your eyes. It won't be, won't be long just as you are. And take a few really deep breaths, comfortable deep breaths. And if you take a deep breath, as you exhale, relax your shoulders. Take a deep breath, relax your torso, your belly. Take a deep breath and perhaps relax your muscle of your face. And now, let your breathing return to normal. And then notice as you're breathing, your normal breath, or any kind of breath you're breathing, notice what parts of your body the experience of breathing is most pronounced. What parts of your body let you letting you know that you're breathing because they're moving or the air is coming in and out? Or Where is the experience breathing known in your body most clearly? And now, feeling that part of your body, can you kind of gently tune in? Or I guess we don't have those kinds of radios so much anymore, so maybe um, with a computer you zoom in. A little bit, you know, increase the resolution to experience your breathing more fully. And if you find yourself thinking a lot, that's okay. But as you exhale, 
See if you can let your thoughts drift away, fade away every time you exhale so that you're better able to feel and sense the experience of the body's experience of breathing. So then uh, you can take a two deep breaths and after that you can open your eyes again. So it would be great once, in, once more if you'd be willing to just say something, something about what that was like. And I'm kind of looking for a wide range of experiences so we get a sense of the, all the possibilities. But whatever you'd like to say, and as also as I said before, I value hearing your voices and feeling a little bit what's coming from you so it's not just me talking. So it would be great if some of you would volunteer to say what that was like. It was just very steady and quite aware of it. Just relaxed. My breath is more intermittent and I was aware of it and came in and went out, but... I, I noticed that uh, the air going into my nose was cooler than the air coming out. After I drank the water. Okay, so great. So uh, that, that takes some sensitivity to feel the difference in temperature. Did anybody find it difficult? Yes. Um, when you were saying that um, when when you breathe out, to imagine yourself letting go of the thoughts, I actually felt like I like <laughs> I grabbed it. <laughs> you weren't. Li- you didn't want to let them go. Well, it was, yeah, I was just thinking of one thing, and I just noticed that it didn't want to go out. <laughs> yes, please. So I tried to empty. My no, mind. Hold, hold it. I, I, if, if I tried to empty my mind. Mm-hmm. And then a voice would come in and say, oh, wow, you're doing it. And then I'd have to say, go away, go away. (laughs) I think, yes, that's pretty normal what you just did. And uh, ideally, if we can, we'd just be amused. (laughs) You know, finally the mind is quiet, and then we say, oh, my mind is quiet. (laughs) You know, so so this practice helps a lot if you're amused. (laughs) 
by it all. All the things that you'll discover about yourself and what the mind does. And, um, because the alternative of being amused for many people is to be upset. And, um, and that kind of... Uh, it, what's unfortunate about being upset that when you do meditation, it kind of um, perpetuates, it's kind of self-generating. The, the classic example that's used in kind of our Buddhist scene is that of a, of a, um, of a forest pool like a little pond that's uh, if the animals and cows and the ox or whatever are drinking and, and playing and in the water all the mud is stirred up if you leave the pond alone the mud settles but if you come along with a big paddle and you're going to help it settle and you stir it around then the water the mud's not going to settle it's not going to become clear so uh, what happens, what we'll learn as we do meditation is we'll learn the tricks or the ways in which we uh, stir up the mud again and keep it going. And so being amused usually doesn't do as much stirring up as being upset by what's going on. But that's not easy to come to a time. Not, not so easy to learn how to be present in a simple way without somehow having a strong reaction to some of the things that we'll see. And that's part of the training of meditation, is to learn to recognize the negative reactions we have, how we stir the mud, and, and say, do I really need to do that? Is there another way? Can I find a way just to put that aside for now and not be involved in that? Um, and for some people, that's a radical change, because some people, their self-talk is quite difficult. Okay, well, thank you. So what I'm going to do is uh, teach you about meditation posture. And then we'll do a little longer uh, session of meditation, um, primarily on the breathing. And, um, and the reason to emphasize the posture is that uh, one of the ways that our whole attentional apparatus works is that uh, th- uh, there are postures of attention that support attention. If we uh, are a couch potato and slump, you know, or th- it's actually the, the, some of the attentional apparatus we have here, some of the ways we can be alert, kind of go to sleep or get turned off. And so we want to take a posture that supports being some modicum of alert, more likely to be present, and uh, less likely to fall asleep, like, you know, if we're you know, slumped in a couch to meditate. Also, it's nice to sit in a posture where the, it's a little bit easier to breathe. So if we're caved in when we sit down to meditate, uh, it's harder for the chest and the torso and the diaphragm to uh, breathe in a relaxed and, and, and relaxing way. And so we want to have a posture that a little bit allows for a more natural open breath, unrestricted breathing to happen. Also, it's nice to have a posture that supports a relaxation. Um, the, um, uh, many, many years ago, I read a study of the two human postures that allows the human body to relax the most. And one of them was uh, the corpse posture in yoga, where you're laying on your back. That apparently that can allow very deep relaxation. And the other way that uh, they found was actually the cross-legged meditation posture. If you sit upright and sit well, and it allows for deep relaxation to happen. And that's one of the benefits from meditation is relaxing. And the less we, the less we stirring the mud, the more the mud can settle, the more the body begins to relax. The more the body relaxes, it's easier to, to, to for the settling the mud of the mind, the thoughts and preoccupations and concerns. 
And there's a lot more. There's a lot of benefits from uh, being a little bit careful with your posture. So I'll teach you something about meditation posture, both for the chair and for the floor. And, um, but don't take it too seriously. Uh, when I was practicing in Burma, um, the uh, Burmese men, when they meditated, from a point of view of a Zen monk that I had been, their meditation posture was awful. They would meditate kind of like this. And, um, but they got enlightened. <laughs> so it worked, you know, it worked for what it was supposed to be do, back, do there. So it's possible to meditate that way. But I think for people in our culture, many people who are spending a lot of time on their computers, on their desk, on their devices, um, we're actually doing a lot of damage to our spine this way of living. And if we, uh, if, we could, if we don't correct for it in meditation, we're actually kind of continue that downward spiral of, of our body and, and uh, we start building up t- uh, pains and tensions unnecessarily. Um, but if you t- take a nice aligned meditation posture, over time, the body settles into it in a nice way and it becomes a great support. Uh, rather, than, rather than a posture that causes pain, it's a uh, posture that alleviates pain that people have. So it's a great thing to do. So uh, there are two, uh, I'll talk about on the floor and on the chair. And um, there are some benefits of sitting on the floor. The primary, primary, primary one is that you have a low center of gravity and you have this wide base support and you feel very stable this way. And with the center of gravity kind of low down, again, that also allows for stability and some people feel safer this way or feel like they can relax and let go more deeply if they can sit this way. But it's completely fine to sit in a chair. And in case you're wondering if that it's maybe not really okay, uh, Buddhist lore says that the next Buddha will meditate in the chair. So, maybe, so who knows? It might be you. <laughs> um, so uh, on the floor, uh, the usual thing is to sit elevated on something uh, so that it's easier to get your knees down. Uh, if you sit completely flat on the floor, it's too easy to have the lower back uh, bulge out and that puts a strain on it. If you sit elevated a little bit, then you can have a little bit of a curve in your lower back, which the, the, most spines are designed to have uh, kind of a gentle S-curve in it. And that's where the vertebrae line up the best, rather than completely straight up and down. And um, and I recommend that uh, people don't sit, uh, don't cross their legs. It's called cross-legged, but actually don't. Um, but have one one leg in front of the other. Sometimes it's called Burmese fashion, or Taylor fashion, and uh, that puts the least amount of twisting on the knees or on the uh, ankles. And so it tends to be more sustainable for a long time. I mean, if you're a yogi and you can really easily go into half lotus or full lotus, that's nice. But, um, but uh, sitting this way is, it works best for most people. And then once you're sitting this way, ideally you would manage to get your knees down on the mat, uh, on, the, on the floor. And so that mostly takes uh, sitting higher. So like you're pretty close there, but your left knee is uh, up. So if you sat higher... There, you sat. If you sat higher, like uh, you might find that you can. No, I probably need to get a high, bigger cushion. <laughs> you, you know, 
or put or two of them or something. Um, yeah, and now you can slide forward and you, know, you slide forward a little bit further through the forward. Almost there. And so then what you can do is you take the black one that's next to your left knee and put it underneath your knee. And that's so if one knee is up in, the gr- up in the air, you can offer some support. And some people can support both knees. Just like have a good solid support this way. And, um, and then there's uh, uh, some people will s- who sit on the floor will use these half moon cushions. We have a whole bunch of them. So they get the support differently than the round cushions on their bottom. And some people find that they, it works better to sit on their knees. And, um, and so there are benches that uh, we have the over on underneath the stage there. Tanya can maybe lift up a bench and you can see. And um, see these there. You, and you would sit down like this. I'm sitting here with a bench underneath this way. And, uh, and for some people who can't sit so-called cross-legged, they can get some of the benefits of sitting on the floor by sitting on a bench. Oh, oh there we go. Richard is uh, showing us. Very nice, look. <laughs> and um, the, um, now if you're sitting in a chair, the primary thing to consider with a chair is um, you don't want to, again, have your lower back pushed out. Pushed out. So if you're tall and your knees are higher than your hips, that's going to push out your lower back. So if you're tall, you should uh, sit, get some elevation for yourself so that your... Um, uh, your knee is uh, not higher than your hips. Ideally, it should be slightly lower, I think. And um, and we have also these wedge uh, cushions for the chair that sometimes work well. If you're uh, shorter, then uh, it's sometimes nice to have something under your feet so that both soles of the feet are firmly planted. You feel a sen- sense of solidity there. The classic instruction is to have your legs parallel to each other uh, with your knees at a right angle going down. Though some people like to spread out their knees wide and feel more support that way. So we're not crossing our legs when we're sitting in a chair. And uh, we have them kind of firmly planted with this kind of sense of strength and support. If the reason you're sitting in a chair is because of your legs, doesn't work, sit cross-legged, then it's nice uh, to avoid using the backrest, to sit away from the backrest. Um, The uh, part of the goal, one of the goals of this meditation practice is to become somehow internally, spiritually or emotionally self-reliant and uh, being physically self-reliant supports that inner self-reliance. So a little bit if you can, put, not, sit, not use the backrest or, use just, or just use the backrest at the very bottom base of your spine. But if you need to use the full backrest, you're welcome to do that. And uh, Tanya had these, these little and sometimes you can put those in the back and get a little pressure there and hold you up nicely against the, the chair. The, um, now, if you're sitting on the floor and, or sitting in the chair, if you take your hands on either side of your hip, on the floor, uh, with the floor, you have your hands on, your fl- on the floor probably, on the chair, on the side of the chair, and you kind of lift yourself almost off your chair or your cushion, let your chest come out, and then as you release your, sh- your hands, let your shoulders roll a little bit back and then let down. And if you do that, you're probably sitting much straighter than you were before. 
you're probably a little bit more open in the chest, your shoulders begin to roll back, and your spine maybe feels a little bit more alert and alive than it was before. And um, so that's a, so a little trick that some people do to get, uh, kind of find out what's straight. Then um, uh, we want to kind of keep the head squarely on the shoulders. Where else would it be? Uh, people who meditate sometimes will often sometimes tip their head one way or start leaning forward this way. Sometimes people are kind of tipping their head backward like this. And occasionally people will turn their head, meditate, meditate this way, not knowing they turn their head. And all those variations over time will put stress on the neck and the shoulders and the back. And so it, uh, you want to try to sit in a way your head is kind of squarely on the shoulders. And the the... The idea is to have your ears lined up with your shoulders, not far ahead, and your chin slightly tucked down, not pointing up, and um, and not looking to the side. So one of the things you can do when you meditate occasionally is just open your eyes and look straight ahead and see where you're looking. And if you're looking at your ankle, your head is tipped forward too much. Or if you're looking way over to the left, then you're looking too, your head's pointed to the left. So... In our tradition of meditation, we meditate with the eyes closed. And that's what we recommend. But there are people who recommend with the eyes open. Some people find it just works better to meditate with the eyes open. And that's fine if you prefer that. Then the idea is to have the eyes about kind of half open, pointing down towards the floor at a 45 degree angle, and not really looking at anything. Imagine that you have the focus you would use to look at a mountain far in the distance. That's kind of, you kind of look down. People who get really sleepy in meditation find it works really well to open their eyes because then they're less likely to fall asleep. Um, And then the hands, you can do anything with the hands where the hands are basically doing the same thing. Um, And over my now almost 45 years of meditating, uh, I've gone through trends or gone through, you know, styles. And um, for for many, many years, I had my hands like on my on my thighs or on my knees, uh, usually uh, uh, palm down, sometimes palm up. And that worked really great for me. I loved it. And um, and now I'm back doing more like how I used to do when I was a new meditator. I bring my hands together in front of them, and, you know, one, one, one hand on top of the other like this. And um, But one of the things you have to be a little bit careful for is if you have your hands too far forward, uh, it'll pull your shoulders and your body forward. And if you, if you have your hands, it depends on your ratio of your, I guess, your legs and length of legs and torso and arms and stuff. But some people find that if they have their hands resting on their, on their ankle, that uh, it also pulls them forward a little bit. So what you can do is you can get some kind of, it could just be a sweater or something, and put it uh, like this so you can have your hands a little bit higher. And Some people find it keeps them upright better, alert. For people who are new to all this, um, uh, there can be discomforts that uh, come with this. Um, You know, you don't have to sit with it, continue with the discomfort, you find it distracting, you can change your posture. Uh, But in the long term, uh, slowly your body will get used to it, it'll find a way, and uh, and, uh, your body will begin shifting. And they say that people who meditate a lot will have a yogic body. Not in all yoga, yogic ways, but they'll have a body that works really well in this posture. It's a really nice thing to have developed, but it takes time to do it. Uh, some people who are new, especially if you're sitting on the floor, 
their uh, legs could fall asleep. And um, the, um, uh, that's pretty normal in the beginning. And generally after a few weeks, it stops. The, um, and but the, the biggest thing you should do, know to do, or not to do, is to stand up quickly when the, f- the feet are numb. You can uh, massage your feet, shake them a little bit. Just wait until the sensation comes back before you stand. Once upon a time, there was a woman I knew who stood too quickly after getting up, after her leg fell, fell asleep, and her foot didn't support her, and she broke uh, some of the little bones in her, in her foot. Um, but, um, but, you know, make sure you have a sensation back. If the sensation takes more than uh, two or three minutes to come back, then it's not the blood issue, but it's rather you're pinching a nerve. And it's very rare that people pinch their nerves like sitting this way, but it does happen occasionally. So if the sensation stays numb for more than two, you know, more than two or three, four minutes, then you're probably pinching a nerve and you never want to do that again because you can do lasting damage. And so you want to be sure that the next time you meditate, you're not, you don't have that kind of numbness again. You want to change your, adjust your posture somehow. Does that all make sense? Do you have any questions about that? Seems good. So uh, we'll do a meditation. You've been sitting for a while. So I think it'd be a good idea to take a minute to stand, stretch, shake your body. And then uh, some of you want to try sitting on the floor. could go get a cushion if you want. And If you come to some of our regular programs here at IMC, you'll see lots of variation how people sit and meditate, the posture they take. And so it's kind of nice to look around and see what people are doing and all the creative ways. Because maybe someone else has a, some, some way to sit that, that uh, maybe works better for you than what I've said. Like there's someone who's already now, didn't, you, know, you don't have a bench, but you're using kind of a cushion like a bench. And some people and some people find that works really well sitting on your knees. So, you know, this was a lot of time to spend on preparations. But uh, the uh, act of preparing, even act of getting into a good posture and all this that itself is already beginning to uh, be mindful. You have to pay attention and pay attention to your body. And so you're beginning to gather in, you're beginning to show up and to be here. If you spend time at the beginning of a meditation practice, giving some care to your posture. Uh, if you just sit down on the couch to meditate and just boom, I'm here to meditate, um, then you're not really kind of warming up or really kind of waking up your our capacities for attention. So think of being careful with your posture as the beginning of the practice. 
So, so I'll begin with a statement that I often make. Uh, take a alert but comfortable posture, sitting a little bit more alert than you normally would be, perhaps with a feeling of being alert in your spine, a little bit more alive or active in your spine than you normally would be. Kind of like the spine is a column that holds all of you up, that allows everything else around the column to relax. then you might gently close your eyes. In order to remind yourself to be here, that you are here, and in order to maybe relax into being here in your body, You could take again some long, slow, deep breaths. And as you breathe in deeply, to feel your torso from the inside, like you're getting a massage from the inside. And as you exhale, to see if you can relax any places of holding in your body. And then letting your breathing return to normal. And again, still as part of the preparations, you might take a few moments to scan through your body to see if there's any obvious places, muscles, muscle groups that you can relax. Maybe the muscles of the face Maybe the shoulders can be softened a bit. And perhaps it's possible to soften the belly. Letting the belly, <coughs> letting the belly hang forward. turning your attention to the experience of the body breathing. (coughs) 
noticing how your body experiences breathing. The movements of the chest, Maybe there's movements in your belly. Maybe there's a sensation of air going in and out through your nostrils. If you have trouble feeling or sensing your breathing, you can put your hand on your chest so you feel the movements maybe in your chest as you breathe. Or some people put the hand on their belly and feel the movements there. And then becoming a little bit more aware of the rhythm of breathing in and breathing out, the coming and going. The appearing and disappearing of an inhalation and an exhalation. And because your thinking so easily will wander off, you can very gently say to yourself a very simple thought that keeps you present with the breathing. And that would be to say to yourself, in as you're breathing in, out as you're breathing out. Soft whisper in the mind like a little reminder to tune in, stay with the experience of breathing in. Stay there with the experience of breathing out.
perhaps letting go of your thoughts every time you exhale. For these few minutes, there's no need to think about things that are not here and now. The focus now is being here in a simple way with the experience of breathing in and breathing out and letting all thoughts unrelated recede into the background. And it's not so much thinking about your breathing as it is having your body feel it. To be with the sensations that come into play as you breathe in and breathe out. Trusting the simplicity of breathing.
then in the last couple of minutes of this meditation, you might let go of noticing the breathing and then do something very, very unique and maybe seemingly different. And that is, don't be troubled by anything whatsoever that's happening, but simply notice what is happening here and now. Let, there, let yourself be aware of what's happening If what's happening is difficult, be aware of difficult. If what's happening is nice, be aware of nice. If you're tired, be aware of tired. If there are emotions, just know, know they're there. Just know. And for about a minute more, stay in the simplicity of knowing what is actually happening and see how simple you can know that in the knowing in the noticing there's no problem And then to end this sitting, you can take a few long, slow, deep breaths. Feel your body, feel your body connected to your the floor, your cushion, the chair. And then when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So for many people, meditating on the breathing is kind of like the root or the basic practice of meditation. And it's the means by which we're beginning to cultivate awareness in the present moment. 
breathing is always in the present moment, your thinking may not be. And so each time you come back to your breathing, you're coming back to the present moment around the breathing. And if, since the breathing is always kind of happening and this nice rhythm to it, uh, it's just a nice place to come for some people. However, this is not a breathing exercise that we're doing. It isn't like you're supposed to be like the best breather now, <laughs> or, that, or you're supposed to breathe in the right way, or you're supposed to kind of be able to stay, you know, on every breath, the whole meditation, and not slip off it and think anything else. That's not the point. The point is to use the breathing as support to help us be more and more present, noticing what's happening here in the present moment. Keep us from drifting off into our thoughts about the past and the future and all that. And so then, to make this point, I like to say that there's a way in which breath meditation works for mindfulness when it doesn't work. So you can't get it to not work. And this is this way. If you're able to stay with your breathing, many breaths in a row, and your kind of mind gets quiet and focused and stays there, great. That's nice. Generally, if that happens, people get calmer, more centered, more focused. It has a lot of benefits if you can have that continuity. So it's nice. If you can't stay with your breathing more than half a breath before your mind spins off and it takes you 15 breaths before you even realize that you're drifted off in thought. Once you notice that that's the case, once you notice that your mind is spinning out so much, you're doing the practice. You're noticing. And you're noticing that your mind is out of control. That's being mindful. So, in a sense, the breathing, trying to be with the breathing, helps you see the nature, the quality of your mind in a way that we often can't see. So the example I like is um, if you go to some like a nice clear mountain stream that's very shallow and, and it's flowing pretty slowly without any ripples in it, you can look in there and you can't tell that the water is flowing. But if you take a stick and put it into the water vertically then a little wake gets formed on the, on the sides of the stick and you say, oh, in fact, it's moving. Many of us don't understand how quickly or how our mind is moving because we're living in the middle of the stream of our mind all the time. And so it helps to have a reference point to start seeing what's happening better. And so the breathing, fo- trying, to, trying to focus on your breathing is that reference point. So... If it, it you so and it's kind of second nature for many of us. If you're to try, if what you're doing is trying to stay with the breathing and you don't succeed, to be upset. You know, I'm not not succeeding. But we're not trying necessarily to succeed with the breathing. We're trying to use the breathing as that stick in the stream. So we say, "Wow, my mind is out of control. I'm just thinking about all these things. I'm thinking about work. I'm thinking about this and that. Wow." That's amazing. I didn't know I was so caught up in things. That's, to see that clearly, to notice that clearly is mindfulness. The art of mindfulness is then to begin zooming in or dialing in or trying to change the resolution of your noticing so that there's less and less thinking about what you're noticing. You're just kind of recognizing, oh, it's like this. Oh, it's like this. 
not thinking so much means we don't have commentary, judgments. We try to keep it really simple. And so one of the very common uh, instructions in this mindfulness tradition is to be aware of what's happening in a non-judgmental way. Meaning you don't say it is bad or good or, you know, I can't do it or I can do it. I'm the next Buddha. Because I'm, you know, it's just like, you know, without any commentary, without any judgment, oh, this is how it is. My mind is out of control. You know, if the, if the biggest commentary that maybe you would like to allow yourself to do is just go, wow. <laughs> My mind is out of control. Wow. And, uh, and keep it that simple. For some people, that's a radical thing to do because of how strong the inner commentary and inner talk is. And it's often very reactive or judgmental to all kinds of things. It's not easy to stop that, but the first step is to recognize we're doing it. And if you see that you're doing it, that's being mindful. That's the beginning of it all. So this is all to say, we're focused, first week we're focusing on the breathing. Try to stay with the breathing. But if it doesn't work, just notice what is happening. And let that reference point of not being able to be with the breathing support you to see more clearly what is happening. That's all. What do you think of that? Is that okay, so I see nodding heads. That's nice. But how about hearing from some, a few of you now? What was it like to do that meditation? What came up for you? Or do you have any questions about it from what came up or in doing it? Or Yes, please, if you could. Uh, Mike is... No, it's a couple of things. One is that my, my ears don't work very well. And, uh, and the people using hearing system devices I won't hear unless it's on the mic. I found that when trying to um, watch the breath, it was sort of distracting and that it ends up changing my breathing sequence. So the breath right. distraction... I started concentrating on breathing and then I'm sort of driving the rhythm of the breathing as opposed to observing it. Oh, I see. So you were involved controlling your breath or driving it. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Great. So, so um, we do, many people do that. It's not, not uncommon. So to really do, to the pure mindfulness, just to be mindful, you would have no tr- problem with that. You would just now become the person who's mindful of a driven breath and what that's like. What's common what people do is say, I'm not supposed to be doing that. And then some people tie themselves in knots around it. Uh, it's better not to be caught up in this what's supposed to and what's not supposed to and, and just fall back, re- rely on, oh, this is how it is now. I guess this is how I'm supposed to know it. It'll change. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yes. Is, is that a good answer, response to you? or? Yes, thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So someone else? Uh, I'm really glad that he just mentioned that because it's not my mind that's wandering, it's my breath. As soon as I focus on the breath, I get tight and my chest gets tight and I breathe really shallow and then I'm off because I'm supposed to be relaxing and all I'm doing is hyperventilating. (laughs) So it's the opposite. So I just thought, wow, how can you relax if your breath is so ragged? Because when you said it's supposed to be gentle and you're supposed to be relaxing and going with the rhythm, and I thought, wow, 
you know what I mean? I, yeah. I can't go with this lovely yeah. rhythm, and that's supposed to be so calming right. when what I'm doing when I get anxious is I either hold my breath or hyperventilate. So right. I can't imagine right. being mindful or having an easy time doing mindfulness when one of my things of tension is to hold my breath. So, so a very important point is, is a very important uh, distinction is, is between being mindful and relaxing. Mm-hmm. And many people do meditation to relax, but they're two, di- two different things. Mm-hmm. And what we're trying to do in this practice in a way that has bigger value in the long term than just getting relaxed mm-hmm. is to cultivate our ability to be mindful. Mm-hmm. So for you, you'd be, you'd be cultivating mindfulness if you just recognized all that. Mm-hmm. And don't worry about being relaxed for now. Just see that. But also, what, see, what happens for some people is when, when you start meditating, uh, sooner or later, the old habits or the common habits or tricks of the mind or reactive activity of the mind kick in, and we, we get to look at it in a different way. We get to see how that is. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying this is you, but some people, as soon as they become self-consciously aware of themselves, they tense up. Mm-hmm. And it's an old habit. It comes from anxiety, all kinds of things. And... Um, and if you can now just be, rel- be relaxed about doing that and just be mindful of it, mm-hmm. you're doing the practice just fine. And not only is it just fine, it's actually a very powerful way of beginning to heal from that, change from that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but it takes its time. So no pro- from, from the point of view of doing the pr- if, if you do the practice, there's no problem with what you experienced. Mm-hmm. Just keep knowing it. So initially, I was trying to, you know, um, be my breathing. Can you hold it closer because my ears are terrible. Initially, I was trying to uh, feel my breath more pronounced in certain areas, but then I realized that it it is shallow. So uh, for few breaths, it was my chest I could see moving for some, and for few breaths, then it was, you know, my shoulders up and down slightly, Uh very slightly though, and then my spine, and then it was the the abdomen. So it was wavering, but I was, um, since it was shallow, I was just letting it allow to be wherever I could see it, but it was not just one place. That sounds great. So when you mentioned just how the body is feeling, experiencing breathing, so I let go of the thought that it it is, I'm noticing at different points, not at one point. That's fine. Uh, I think that's a wonderful thing thing you did, and so you can just follow that and see see what the body wants the attention to be. Uh, at some point, if you do that for a long time, uh, you might experiment then with just choosing one place. Because sometimes that allows the mind to get more focused, uh, to get familiar and just kind of settle in and not have to deal with new places all the time. But both ways are great. So one more. It's just uh, in there, straight in the back. So in the back row. Yeah, here. I have a feeling that um, maybe I'm being over mindful <laughs> because um, I'm just I I just have this conversation in my head and it won't stop. Like, is your posture right? Are you breathing right? You know, and and then I tell myself, clear your mind. You're not supposed to be thinking about all of that. So I start to count. Uh-huh. I count you know, one, two, three, four, five, as I'm breathing. 
And I found that when I'm counting, I'm more focused on the breath. Right. As soon as I stop it, then the conversations start all over again. Right. So is that something that eventually will, I won't have to do, is just counting, yes. counting all the time? Yeah. There are, it's, it goes back thousands of years in Buddhism to use counting as a technique to stay focused. And so it's, uh, generally people who do it, after a while, the, f- the forces of distractions lessen and the powers of concentration strengthen. And it's easier. And then after a while, we don't have to count anymore. The, what I offered you uh, here today was using what's called a mental note instead of counting. And just as you breathe in, say in. As you breathe out, say out. And that's, that's po- kind of supposed to be the same thing, a little bit. You're using the thinking mind to help you be present rather than have a thinking mind do whatever it wants to do. Um, but, e- but both techniques are good. Thank you. And, uh, and it's also very good. Remember what I said earlier, the fact that part of the value of this mindfulness practice is to know you have this tendency and not to treat it as a problem. Oh, look at that. I'm having these conversations and about myself and questioning everything. And Wow, that's what my mind does. Wow. Okay, now I know it. And, and, and appreciate that now you're just noticing it in a very simple way. Oh, this is how it is for me. And now given that I see it, maybe it's good to count. As opposed to, oh, why am I doing this? I'm a bad person or something. <laughs> we want to keep it really simple. So they say that this meditation, this mindfulness practice is, is infinitely forgiving of us. It, 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 whatever, whatever way you are, you're welcome into, your, into this practice. So thank you. So a couple of things to say. Um, if, you, if you decide to practice every day at home and you're, rel- and you're new to this, I think it says this on the handout, uh, I recommend you start with 15 minutes this, a day. And, uh, and then as this uh, course proceeds, add five minutes. So by the end, you may be doing 25 minutes or something. 30 minutes maybe. And, um, but start kind of slowly. And um, the, it works well if you choose, if you're a little bit thoughtful about when you meditate uh, each day. And it's good to have a routine. So it's every day at the same time. So it's like you, that time you know that's what you do. Some people's lives don't allow for that. But it's a kind of ideal. And there's a long tradition of, of people doing their daily meditation first thing in the morning. Uh, usually there's not so much busyness of life hasn't started up. And, uh, and uh, sometimes it's, you know, the city around us is quiet and it's just kind of nice to get up a little early and meditate before it all gets busy. Uh, it's also nice to uh, be a little bit thoughtful about where you meditate. In your, if you meditate at home, uh, maybe there's a corner of your house that's your meditation spot. And so your associations are, that's a place for meditation. You know, if you sit down at your, you know, your TV spot, <laughs> you know, to meditate, then, you know, like your one eye opens and sees the TV and, you know, well, why am I meditating? I could be, do, I could be following the news <laughs> or something. And, uh, but if you have some places a little bit off and that's just, just used for meditation, like a corner of your bedroom or something, some people find that nice. That's, that's nice. Um, so regularity helps a lot. There's something about uh, if you uh, regu- practice at the regular time and a regular amount every day, 
it's kind of after a while the whole system, the psychophysical system kind of gets into that rhythm. And you don't have to, should I meditate, should I not meditate? It's just like, this is what I do, you know. That's, that's what I do when that time comes. For some people, it's in the morning, I said. Some people, it's other times in the day. Some people find it's best to do it in the evening. Uh, I used to do it f- for a long time uh, in the morning. And then when I first came back from work, and that was really great to meditate when I came back from work because it actually cleared out a lot of the tension that built up uh, and the yucky, yuckiness of the, of the work day. And then I had the evening and I became kind of clear and the evening was so much better. I was ready for, I was fresh, refreshed for the evening and it was such a nice thing to do, that rhythm of before work and after work. Uh, it's good to have a timer uh, so that you... Um, don't have to be looking at your clock all the time. And I think, you know, for people who have smartwatches, you know, they have timers in them, so it's pretty easy to just set the timer on. And I think on IMC's website, there's, a, there's an app uh, for, um, called um, uh, Insight Timer, I think it's called, is that what it's called? Insight Timer. And you can download the app, and it, it makes a nice bell. You know, it has a very nice, you know, so you don't have to listen to your smartwatch choice of sounds for the alarm. And uh, so you can you know set the, you can set it variable at different times and all that. And um, so I think that's all I have to say that's for today. Um, uh, if you want, uh, Tanya, who's managing today, uh, is also teaches this course sometimes, <laughs> so she can answer any questions you have about being here, about the practice of meditation and. Richard also has been involved with this for 25 years, 30 years, 40 years, 100 years. (laughs) So Richard also has a wealth of knowledge about meditation and the practice and instructions. So you're welcome to talk to him. And and then I'll be up here if you want to check with me as well for a while. And so welcome. I'm happy you're here. And I hope that uh, this course will be meaningful for you and as we keep unfolding and deepening over these weeks. Thank you.